have safely at death. Run to the roar. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Stop pointing out problems. Become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past and start creating the future. Face your fears. Fight for your dream. Grab opportunity by the mane and don't let go. Live like today is the first day and last day of your life. Burn sinful bridges and blaze new trails. Live for the applause and nail-scarred hands. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Dare to fail. Dare to be different. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Quit running away. Chase the lion. Well, good morning. Hey, my name is Stephen Mitchell, and I am the lead pastor here at Cassidy Church, and it is a joy to be back with you. I was on vacation for a couple of weeks. That, honestly, that was amazing. I was on a cruise, so I had this weird feeling last Sunday. I, I was hungry for the first time in a week, um, and so, but it is, it is good to be back because I missed desperately sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and being a part of a community that takes seriously that. And so I want to welcome you home to Cassidy Church because this is a home for, for people that want to make a difference in the world around them and for people that are focused on doing the things that God wants us to do in and around us. And we're going to uh, be starting a new sermon series called Chase the Lion, which is based on uh, pursuing big dreams that God has for us and not 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 uh, crazy dreams, because there, there can be an element of crazy in people that are going after big things, but, but pursuing real dreams that God has for us to go after. Maybe a holy discontent you have inside of you that something you know needs to change, and everything within you is crying out for that to change. And so often, we sit idly by and wait for that feeling to pass. The older we get, the, the more sure we are that we can't fulfill any of our dreams any longer. And, and so we're going to look at some, some uh, over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to look at some pretty crazy people that did some pretty crazy things. And my guess is that you are not going to have heard of any of them. Uh, because we're going to be looking at the Old Testament and, and at people that were uh, in David's group of mighty warriors. These are guys that, that David surrounded himself with. David was the king of Israel, but before that, he was a shepherd, the guy that slew Goliath with a slingshot, and, and then he was an outcast. He was on the run, and while he was on the run, he got a band of warriors around him that were known as David's mighty men. And his chief bodyguard was a guy named Beniah. And Beniah was, was just a, a, a phenomenal guy. And, and Scripture talks heaps and bounds. Well, actually, it's got a couple of sentences about him. But they're really good sentences. They make a world of difference. And, and we're going to see that because what we are going to see is that Beniah did some stuff that we would, we would not be doing. Beniah, it seems... Uh, was was focused on uh, on protecting David, but before that, he he kind of had to build up a resume. So let's look at what it says, and we're going to be reading from Second Samuel chapter twenty three, verse twenty. If you don't have a Bible, we really believe that it is it is part of our calling, part of our our faithful following to God to to be involved in reading scripture together. So I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible with you, if you don't, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles outside and they're free. They are 
no, you don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to do anything crazy. I don't want your information. Just take a Bible. We're that passionate about getting the Word of God into your hands. And so 2 Samuel 23, 20 starts like this. Benaiah, son of Jehadiah, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. That's pretty cool. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, that's some pretty intense stuff right there. If I hear a lion, I'm probably going to be going the other way. And, and, and we've seen folks you know, that, that, that are, are wired differently, that are, are lion chasers, that, that go after brokenness and, and seek after things that are messed up. Uh, 9-11 is a great example. We had men and women in the fire department, the police department. We had people that were just on the street that day that ran fearlessly into a burning building to see if they could save people's lives. These folks now, we're, we're, and, and I bring this up because, you know, we've got this whole uh, bill that's been passed because, because these heroes have done a crazy thing and chased a lion into a burning building. I've seen it when I was in the military. We saw people that would go toward the brokenness in the world and, and fight for the right of what's going on. And, and, and this is what all of this series is about. It's going to be about fighting for our dreams in the midst of losing our, our, our sanity sometimes and in the middle of, of having to pursue it through op opposition and, and difficulty. And so folks running into burning buildings uh, and, and folks going into Tornado Alley when, when the tornado's still going on, just trying to get people out of the way is, is an interesting thing for me because when I was in the Navy, uh, I had this different concept of uh, courage, right? The biggest, strongest person was going to be the most courageous person because they were big and strong. So they had all the skills and tools to be courageous. But what I found was that wasn't always the case. When I was in the, in, in the Persian Gulf, I was on board the USS Tripoli and we, we struck a mine at about four o'clock in the morning. And I was laying like this, and I know that because I bounced off of the bunk above me, that's bed for you non-Navy people, the bunk above me uh, in this position and kind of fell out of the bed or rack, as we call it, and, and put my shoes on because, okay, things are not right. Uh, things are, are actually very wrong. And the alarm's going off, there's smoke, there's noise, people are being... Uh, pretty upset with the current situation. And one of my good friends was a parachute repairman. That sounds less cool than it really was in the Navy uh, because we did helicopters. So there were no parachutes, but it was his job. Anyway, he, he was this big guy. I mean, just a massive guy. And I was a little bitty. When, when I was in the Navy, I weighed 137 pounds. So picture me narrower, a <laughs> lot narrower. Um, and so I, 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 I got out of bed, and, and he was standing over there. I would, I would go with him all over the place because I would talk. I had a big mouth, and he would keep me from being smeared across the concrete by most people. So he was my buddy, right? But I get out of bed, and I'm putting my boots on, and he is crying, standing there gripped by fear. He is convinced that we're all going to die, that we, we, the chemicals have, have been unleashed on, on the ship, and now we're all going to die. And I, it took me going and physically grabbing him and shaking him and saying, Johnson, we've got to go, before he snapped out of it, because he lost 
his courage in that moment. And it's not something that, that he's proud of, I, I, I can guarantee you, um, but it's something that happens. And so what I learned that day was sometimes courage comes from the most bizarre places. Sometimes courage doesn't look like what you expect it to look like. Sometimes it comes from people that you don't expect to be courageous. So the folks that run into the burning building aren't always the biggest and strongest and toughest folks. Sometimes they're just the ones that are the most passionate, that want to make a difference, that, that believe that by their action, they can make a difference in the lives of somebody. And so we've all seen or heard about people that have had this, this opportunity of chasing a lion. And, and, and sometimes they even chase the lion into the pit. And one of the things that, that we have when we look at Scripture, one of the things that we tend to do is we get this thing that's called hindsight bias. We, we look at Scripture and we think to ourselves, well, of course, the outcome was obvious. That's exactly what was going to happen. And here's what I mean. When we read that Benaiah went into a pit with a lion on a snowy day, we're like, well, of course he did, because he's in the Bible. Otherwise, that story would not make it in, right? And, and so we lose some sight on what it is that is really going through his mind. Because I can guarantee you that when he jumped into that pit, there was a certain fear of death that he was experiencing in that pit. I can guarantee you that the 12 disciples, uh, the 11 of those 12 disciples, when Jesus had been crucified and they were sitting in a locked room, were convinced that he wasn't coming back. And we can look at that and we can say, why would you? He said he was coming back. Well, nobody had done it before. And so there was something to that. And so we, we get a little confused with our hindsight bias. And, and because uh, I, I got to watch football last night, uh, I'm going to say it. Uh, Monday, night, or mo Monday morning quarterbacking uh, is, is a thing. So what this means is Sunday your team plays, and on Monday you get together with your friends, and you're like, well, I never would have run that play, <laughs> right? Because it... it <laughs> Because you know what the defense did, and you know how to overcome it. So we get this bias. We get this idea that we understand because we know the outcome. And that wasn't the case. And so we, we, this is one of the reasons why it's hard for us to fully appreciate Scripture. So I want us to, to focus on this guy that's crazy enough to jump into a pit with a lion on a snowy day and know that he doesn't expect, his outcome for him is not certain. He doesn't believe there's no opportunity, there's no way that I'm going to die to this lion. Instead, he's got a certain fear of death that's going on. But chasing, into, chasing this lion into the pit was, while one of the craziest things I've ever heard of, I don't know about you, do you, do you think, I mean, is that pretty crazy for y'all? Would you, if you saw a lion walking around, would you be like, oh, I think I'm going to follow the lion? <laughs> oh, look, he fell in a pit. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump down into that pit. No, that doesn't seem to be the way that we want things to go because when we see a lion, we run. I'm going to go the other way. But lion chasers aren't wired that way. They're not wired to flee from the danger. They're instead going to go after it. Now, before we move too far along, I, I did some research on lions, so I wanted to share it with you because it was pretty fascinating. Did you know most lions are over 500 pounds? That's a big animal, over 500 pounds. Uh, did you know that a lion can run at 35 miles an hour? That's fast. I cannot run but maybe 12 miles an hour on a good day, downhill. Uh, maybe if I fall and roll, I could go a little faster, but that's about it. 
But they also have these things, uh, what are they called? Uh, claws and teeth made to rend flesh. They're not, they're, not, they're not so you can pet them and they look nice, right? No matter how much we would love to have a 500-pound lion as a house pet, it's not the case. So if you find yourself in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, it's probably going to end badly for you. Uh, this is probably how the story ends for you. Uh, it's it's going to be the end of that. And, and so it's, it's not something that we think about and we think, oh, this is, this is a great idea. But you got to admit, if you're Benaiah and you're building a resume to become the bodyguard of David, who is to be king, this is really going to look good on your resume. You're like, hey, I got, I, got, uh, I got two Moabites that I killed. I'm also a really good fighter from Kabzeel. And by the way, I, I went into a pit with a lion on a snowy day, and I came out, and the lion didn't, right? That's, that's pretty good to build up your resume. Uh, and, and we've all experienced fight-or-flight moments like this where, where we have to decide, am I going to go forward or am I going to turn away? And chasing a lion into a pit on a, fool, on, a, on, a, on a snowy day can look foolish, but God uses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, And sometimes that's what it takes to follow God obediently, is to not be afraid of that 500-pound dream that God has for us. So what's the scariest dream that you could go after? What what is it that that you sit awake at night and you experience some holy discontent? Something that that spurs you from the inside, that you want to make a difference with that, that, that there is something about you that is hardwired to be against or to be passionately for something that would be different if you got involved in it. There are things in in that scenario that you need to walk through and talk through and pray through, but if we hold back, if we don't follow through with what God has in mind for us, then we're, we're doing ourselves and God a disservice because those giant dreams that we have are, are gifts from God. And far too frequently, you know, the scripture tells us that, that we're going to dream dreams and have visions. And I think far too frequently we think to ourselves, okay, well, that means that I'm going to have a vision and write like the book of Revelation. That's a vision and a dream that God is going to give to me. But I think more frequently than that, God gives us dreams and visions of how different this world could be if we would get off of our heinies, I'm going to use that word, uh, and, and, and go after that dream, to chase the lion that God has put in front of us. So what do you think it was that gave Benaiah the confidence to go after that lion? I think our scripture demonstrates two things. One is one, one you can infer from the story, and the other one is plain in the story. The first is this wasn't Benaiah's first time holding a sword. He was a valiant fighter from Kabzeel. So he, he knew his way around weapons and tactics and the battlefield. And this probably wasn't the first time he'd ever seen a lion, because otherwise he probably would have gone the other way, which is what I would do. But he's, in, he's, he's not terrified of this. He's, he's confident in some of his own skill. He knows that he's got some skill in that area. I don't think that is the end of it, though. I think the second thing is that he knows who he serves. So he's been fighting alongside David for a while now. And, and David has demonstrated time and time again 
that God is with them. I mean, I don't know how many people you know that fight a giant with a slingshot and walk away from it. That's another pretty crazy story. But he recognizes that God is for David. And if God is for David, then by proxy, if he's for David, God is also for him. And so if we have God for us and we have a God-given talent or gift or calling to go in a direction, then, then how can anything stand against us? Uh, it, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that, uh, that we could go to the Sea of Galilee at night and we could think to ourselves, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to get out of the boat and try walking on water. However, if Jesus is there and calls you out of the boat, then you better get out of the boat or you'll never get to walk on water. God has big dreams for us and has given us big dreams for the world, and so that's what we're after. And, and, and faith is a willingness to look foolish. In, in, in the middle of all of this, I think this is what keeps us from following our dreams so, so many times, is we don't want to look dumb. I, I don't, I don't want to look bad. Oh, that's going to make me look silly. That's going to make me not do anything that I should do. And so by, God, by definition, God-sized dreams are always, always beyond our logic and beyond our ability and beyond our resources. Because if it was within any of those things, then we could not need God and we could accomplish it on our own. And, and that's kind of core. We, we can't take credit for it when a God-sized dream takes place. We have to say, God did that because I can't do it by myself. And if your dream doesn't scare you, then it's too small. And if you're big enough for your dream, then your dream isn't big enough for God. And these are, this isn't rocket surgery or brain science or whatever. This is, <laughs> I should have flipped those. Uh, what it is, is this is taking seriously what God is talking about all through Scripture, taking seriously what we see people doing in the name of Jesus Christ and in the name of God before Christ came. It's people being obedient to that. Jesus tells us in John's gospel, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. We have encouragement from Christ himself that we will do greater things. We will dream dreams and have visions so that we can do greater things than Christ. And Isaiah, we, we read this, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Faith is the willingness to look foolish. And I can't imagine anything more foolish than chasing a lion. Well, except for maybe Noah building an ark. And Sarah probably looked pretty foolish shopping for maternity clothes at 90. David probably looked really foolish going out onto a battlefield with a slingshot. Benaiah looked foolish chasing a lion. Wise men looked foolish following a star. Peter looked foolish getting out of the boat on the Sea of Galilee. And I'm sure that Jesus looked pretty foolish hanging half naked on a cross. But friends, what happened next, the results speak for themselves. Noah was saved from the flood. Sarah gave birth to Isaac David defeated Goliath. The Benaiah killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. The wise men found the Messiah. Peter walked on water and Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
And, and, and this, is, this is what we serve. This is the God that we serve. And we try to box God up and put God in, on a shelf instead of letting God go crazy in and through us and doing what God wants in, in the world around us. And, and we box up our dreams and we set them on the shelves. Far too often, we put them aside and we don't follow through. We say things like this, I, I can't change my major. I'm, I'm on a fixed income. I can't do those things. I can't quit my job. I can't seek out counseling. I can't ask her out. I can't share my faith. I can't pray for a miracle. I can't fill out that application. I can't make that move. My sphere of influence is too small to make a difference. I can't make that call. Faith is unlearning our fears. We, we are so petrified of, of what could be that we hold back. Did you know, I did a little research on this. This was fascinating to me. My daughter would not agree with what I'm about to tell you, but science proves her wrong. Uh, we're born with only two fears. She would say the first one is a fear of spiders. She's wrong. Uh, two fears at birth. We're afraid of loud noises and we're afraid of falling. If you've ever been around baby and you're doing the, the dry, you know, hey, and the baby's arms do one of these, right? Because they're afraid of falling. Or if you clap around a baby really loud, or if you're rooting on your favorite football team, go Chiefs, uh, then, and you, you, you cheer very loud, the baby is not going to be very excited about that, right? These are things that go on, and, and what's interesting is we can unlearn those two because there are people that jump out of airplanes. They're not afraid of falling anymore. There are people that stand in line for hours to go to a concert where the music is deafening. So they've unlearned those fears. And if we can unlearn the two fears that are innate in us, then all of the fears that we put up are easier to unlearn than those. So the fear of success, the fear of looking foolish, the fear of failure, all of those can be put aside because, one, we serve a God that is bigger than all of that. Our God calls us into action and our God says, I will go with you. No, I will go before you and you will follow me and we will be victorious together. And so these are the dreams that God has for us. And, and if you have been sitting there and you're like, pastor, that's great. I mean, some of you are out there and you're like, uh, I know exactly what dream you're talking about because it's something that, that I've been holding on to and, and I keep wanting to not do it, but it's, it's bubbling up within me over and over again. But some of you are out there and legitimately are like, I got no dream. What about me? And so I want to share with you one of my dreams. I have, I have a couple of serious passions um, where it comes to Jesus Christ. And one of them is to make a difference in a community school, to make such a profound difference, not so that we can get people in the building, but so that we can make a difference in the lives of students and teachers and faculties and even bus drivers who annoy us on the road, so that we can make such a difference in their lives that they know that something is different with us. That's one of my passions. I got an opportunity before I went on vacation to meet with the principal and the vice principal and a couple of counselors, and, and Jana went with me over at West Elementary, right across the street, right over there. I looked out the window so I could know where it was. I know. <laughs> and it's right, and, and, and the, the thing about this meeting was, that it was not like any other meeting that I've ever had with a school. In St. Louis, when I would go to a meeting, it, it was a lot of wooing. I wanted to make friends with you before I asked for anything. Or, or, or asked if I could be a part of anything because St. Louis schools are on a high alert for religious intention. 
Um, oh, yeah, they're going to come in and try and proselytize our students. No, I, I just want to go in and make, make things better for your, your students. So my dream is this, that this school right across the street that has a, a pretty high free and reduced lunch uh, population, that, that we would make such a difference in their lives by being men and women of faith that are coming and being, uh, being connected with this relationship, making a difference in their lives by loving on them, helping them out any way that we can. And, and if, if it was something that was easy, that we, well, we have, you know, 200 people here on a Sunday, that's not enough to, to override all of the poverty in this area and, and make that school not need any of that. However, God is on our side. And so with God on our side and, and leading the charge, we can overcome those things because it's not just us. It's not just our resources. We serve a God who fed 5,000 people with two fish and, and a loaf of bread. And I got that backwards. But it, you understand what I'm saying, that God does big things with few resources because God's in control of all of it. And so I want to turn us loose. I want to turn us loose to be passionate about our dreams. I want to turn us loose to be passionate about Jesus Christ and following where he is leading. And I want to turn us loose to imagine what a difference that could make. Imagine what a difference the community of faith could make if we took our dreams seriously. Imagine what a change God could make through us. I, for one, can't wait to see what God has in mind for us and for this community. And I, I give it all over to God and, God, and I just pray that He would do great things in and through us. Let's pray. Holy One, it is good to be in Your presence, and it is even better that You trust us to dream dreams and to live faithfully into Your life. Help us to be empowered by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be overwhelmed by who you are and the love that you have for your people so that we can make the differences that you want us to make, so that we can faithfully follow you in every way that you are calling us to. God, take our fear and just move it aside. God, take our, our, our self-insecurities and, and, and all of the things that we use as excuses and, and just push them out of the way. And God, put in in us such a passion for your people and for obeying your will that we are overwhelmed and we are overcome by who you are and we go into the world not, not worrying what other people think of us, but instead loving people with hearts that are so transformed by you. Help us to be your hands and your feet and help us to always and forever be more and more like Jesus. And I ask all of this in the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all of us agreed and said, amen. amen.